With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Analysts on every game. Everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City. With your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dunlap. Episode 7, Segment 2. Fourth Down. Go ahead. Uh, introduce it, and then I have a question. I'm sorry. Oh, you're good. Go ahead. Yeah, we're good. We're back. We're live while we're taping. We are. Yeah, oh. episode two or seven and segment yeah. two, fourth down Steel City. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you got? What do you got? I want to interject got? something. Mm-hmm. You saw the Harry Carey uh, hologram <laughs> that everybody's talking about? Yes. If you could go to a Steeler game and there be one Steeler hologram, what would you want to see? At the at a Steeler. Hmm. I really wouldn't mind seeing a hologram of James Harrison line up on the opposite side of TJ Watt. That might help things. Pretty good. Because somebody on our show today brought up a hologram of Myron Cope leading the crowd in a big game in a terrible towel wave. Uh, Myron in the trench coat, you know, and standing there, all five, two and a half of them, uh, waving the towel. I think that would be spectacular, but let's think of some other things. Like, imagine, well, you know, the, you know what? Uh, go ahead. What if the chief walked out oh. and flipped a coin, you know, with a, with a cigar hanging out of his mouth? That's, I was thinking, what if the chief was just sitting there or just, or what if the ambassador was just walking down the sideline? <laughs> they could get the hologram of the ambassador just walking down the sideline before the game. But the chief sitting there with a cigarette and just goes, hey, let's go get them, boys. You know, in that voice. Oh, oh, that would do it. I do think that if there was a five foot two Myron Cope hologram twirling the terrible towel, that it would be the greatest terrible towel twirl that we've seen. I remember back the AFC championship in 2010 and you have Larry Richard saying, "Okay." national tv's on you right now let's get yep. this terrible towel thing going and everyone's going wild larry richard legend he ain't no dug up from the grave myron cope if they ever had the hologram myron cope lead a terrible towel twirl and wave you know what it would look like do you remember those videos and those old that old footage when the Beatles landed in America and yes. the people were getting off the, they were getting off the plane and people were storming the runway and screaming. It would look like that, that people would be just crazy for it. I, I want, you know what? 
they got money over there, especially now with Accursure, whatever, however the hell you say it. I say it wrong. All yeah. I don't care. They make Myron Cope hologram happen right there at the 50. I saw somebody on Twitter say that there should be a Roberto Clemente, like his 3,000th hit, stand out there at second base, take his helmet off, do that kind of hologram. No way in God's green earth is that money being spent by the Pirates to make that happen. Pittsburgh Steelers, Acro, whatever. Yes. Yeah, you can How make it happen. How about a John Neese hologram standing on top of the steel building retrieving some of the home runs he gave up? You, you, people might not know. I'm sure you do if you're listening to this podcast. You go to the John Neese well just enough to where you don't overdo it, but that I laugh every single time you bring up that left-handed bastard. Well, because he signifies an opportunity in a crossroad that could have been uh, pounced upon to make the organization better, but they went back in and took two steps back because they chose John Neese when they traded Walker, yes. as opposed to si- re-signing people and actually building on success. John Neese is emblematic in the personification of we were right there and kind of gave up. Well, to that point, on Cleveland radio this week, Colin, they were talking about the Steelers possibly being in a rebuild in this because Cordell Stewart brought it up on the PM team, former Steelers quarterback, obviously, with Andrew Filipponi and Chris Muller. He said the Steelers don't believe in rebuilds, but this is kind of as close as they get maybe to a rebuild. Don't know who the quarterback is, uh, whatever. And they argued, the Browns radio folk, mm-hmm. that the Steelers can't be rival number one right now because they're going through it. Meanwhile, the Bengals and Ravens are predicted to have success. The Steelers are going through it when last year they went nine and eight. This is a good topic. This is a good topic. I mean, that would be the pinnacle of the Browns success pretty much over the course of the last 30 years. I, I, I love this topic because I actually believe Cordell and Cordell's right in all this. The Steelers don't rebuild. They made soft rebuild or rebuild on the fly or bits and piece rebuild. Uh, but they do not full on rebuild. That's for sure. Second of all, the Browns don't have any right to go ahead and sort of name their rival considering they got the hell beat out of them by everybody. Certainly they came in here and won a playoff game and that was a stroke of luck. And it was a one-off season, I think for the Cleveland Browns thirdly with the Steelers and back to the rebuild stuff. I under Mike Tomlin, I don't think that they'll ever hit anything. You know, I'll just say it. I, I don't know if we'll ever have them. I don't know if we'll ever let them have a losing season. I don't know if we'll ever let that happen just by sheer. It's weird, but like football, God will, you know, something like that. Like they just, they find a way enough times is the way, the best way for me to put it. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I have never seen, we have never seen Mike Tomlin lose a football team. We, we just, we haven't. Uh, to me, when you are 0-3 and 1-4 and 
and then you know the rest of your season you've got Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, and you can't have a losing season then, you you ain't having one. Uh, for them to start off two and six in the early 2010s and finish eight and eight, Mike Tomlin, for all the reasons he gets criticized around here, and there's a lot of viable reasons, no doubt about it, not winning playoff games and not being competitive in playoff games deserves criticism, no question about it. For all of his faults, his guys buy in to every week mattering, and I've always respected that about Mike Tomlin. And, you know, we might talk about how the playoff failures should negatively affect the perception of Mike Tomlin. Again, fine. But I am happy that the Steelers are not ever going to be the butt of jokes the way that Cleveland is, the way that Cincinnati's been. And Baltimore never really was the butt of any jokes, but we've seen them go 5-11 and 11 in the not-too-recent past. That doesn't happen here. You do not become the laughing stock of the league with Mike Tomlin as head coach. And, you know, that's not the pinnacle, but there is value in that. No, I agree with you. There'll never be Jacksonville. There'll never be Cleveland in the bad years. It's just not going to happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I absolutely agree with you. Mike Tomlin really bullish on his run defense, saying that he expects to be dominant. Colin, they gave up 200 yards rushing six times last year. Uh, gave up the most yards per carry in the league and were the worst rush defense in the NFL. There's no other way to put it. Now, though, he says he expects them to be dominant. We talked about this. If he expects them to be dominant and they're not dominant, why shouldn't we expect them as fans, as analysts, expect them to be dominant too? Yeah, if he says it, the expectation should be here. Uh, let me ask you and throw this back at you. The expectation to be dominant. Tyson Alualu kind of got healthy. Larry Ogunjobi comes in after failing a physical. I'm not trying to paint this negative, but that's that's what happened, right? I'm not wrong there. He fell to the Steelers. Miles Jack came in. Okay, I think that's a huge positive. Those are three moves. But outside of that, and those might just be it. That might be the justification for you. How did they get better against the run? Well, those ones are big. But I will say this. I was I heard from a former scout the other day who talked about Levi Wallace's tackling ability. The Steelers gave up 75 explosive runs last year. That means 75 runs of 10 or more yards. That is absurd. One of the reasons why is because your corners can't tackle either. And you might have some problems with Terrell Edmonds taking bad angles at times. You need to be better there. Levi Wallace is supposed to be able to help them there. But I'll also tell you this. If they didn't get Tyson Alualu back, if they didn't get Larry Ogunjobi, I'm going to be very clear. I'll use my one swear word I generally allow myself on this here podcast, Colin, yes. to say. I don't give a shit who it is. You needed to be a better run defense this year than last year. If only you had an offseason just to sink in it and to swim in it and to ruminate in this. It's a mindset. Last year, without those players, Stefan Tuitt, Alu Alu, with Devin Bush being a jackass, and I didn't even bring up Miles Jack as part of the answer, which I probably should have, I don't care. They should still have been better against the run last year. It is unacceptable to be that bad in any facet of defense here and with that defensive head coach. And it's unacceptable if they're anywhere near or really outside the top 10 this year, given the personnel that they have. Thinking back to something and Levi Wallace, I want to bring that up again, because that's a very good point by you. 
you could talk Ferry, you could talk Foot, you could talk uh, Aaron Smith or uh, Chris Hoke or uh, Casey Hampton. You want to know one of the functions of that defense that was really good? Ike Taylor could tackle. Yep. He put people on the ground. He came in, he didn't, he broke down okay, but he absolutely just missled at people and got them and put them on the ground. Uh, Ryan Clark, same way. Troy Polamalu, same way. But that was expected from a, a little bit in the more in the middle of the field. But as a corner, I don't think – if you go back and you watch that tape, I don't think people understand how good of a tackler Ike Taylor was from an edge guy. Uh, everybody overblows – and it, overblows the wrong term. They focus on the one play in which he absolutely blew an assignment in Denver and it's, it's, it, it lingers with his career. And they focus on him not catching interceptions, which, you know, I, I get it. I understand it. From a – I think he's one of the most underrated Steelers of the past 30 years. Damn good player. Damn good player. Really good player. And he allowed guys to take chances and do other things, especially in that run game, because they knew he was a sure-handed tackler in yes. the run game. There's no two, no two ways about that. I think that's fact. Yeah, and Dick LeBeau said it all the time. You got to tackle the catch. But Ike Taylor wasn't afraid to tackle in the running game either. Uh, William Gay was not a great tackler. Uh, you can, you who was it? Was it Adrian Peterson? He just totally ran him over. But Willie Gay wasn't afraid to mix it up in there, and Deshae Townsend wasn't afraid to mix it up in there, and they didn't have enough of that. Akella Witherspoon was, was bad last year in terms of tackling. Yes. Um, that's I don't know that that's going to change, but you can't have both your corners. I think be bad tacklers. Um, this defense needs to be good stopping the run. It can't be mediocre. It can't just be okay. It's got to be, it's really got to be great stopping the run. I think they've got a chance to do it. I think it's mindset, but I think it's also the personnel additions that they've made. I have a question for you after the break. I have a question when we come back. Uh, it's, it's, it's a philosophical fan question. I will answer it mm-hmm. when we return. <laughs> 